Welcome to the Good and Substantial Podcast, where we talk about the right to keep and bear arms in Maryland. I'm Danny, and joining me is Stephen. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Danny. Um, working from home, self-distancing, and really spending some time with the uh, the dogs. How about yourself? Can't complain, keeping myself busy, uh, enjoying walks outside, which is something you, uh, the, the, the powers that be have allowed us to do. Um, but I'm getting outside, exercise, uh, uh, keeping myself safe, keep my family safe. But uh, I think uh, many of us are in that same boat. Um, joining us today, we have a very special guest, Katie. Katie is another uh, Maryland gun owner uh, who is very impassioned about these things as as Stephen and I are in the rights of self-defense. Katie, how are you? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Uh, kind of same boat as everybody else. I'm furloughed from work and you know, just trying to stay busy with projects around the house and uh, doing some extra schoolwork. That's that is the thing to do. Keep busy through all this. Uh, if we uh, sit still for too long, it's going to drive us all mad, and we none of us want to be that mad. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, since most of us have been used to, uh, no, I shouldn't say used to, but we've experienced a bit of life under this situation where a lot of Marylanders and a lot of people around the country have been forced more or less into their homes, whether it be through edict because there's special rules on their businesses and, and what they can and cannot do, or there's the very serious uh, threat of, you know, we do have this virus that's going around and it's caused and created a lot of uncertainty uh, that most people alive haven't really experienced. So with that, of course, some people are looking to protect themselves. And uh, the, the both of you, I think we can have a good conversation about uh, why people might seek to protect themselves through the means of armed defense, whether it be going to their gun shop and getting a, a shotgun or a handgun or or whatever the case may be. Yeah, so uh, we've had record high uh, number of NICS checks done in March uh, with 3,740,688. So that's the, the record high. Um, previous record was um, after the San Bernardino shooting. And we've had a, had a record high week uh, in March. Uh, starting 16th, March was a record high week. Uh, and the highest day ever on record was March 21st. There was 210,000 NICS checks done that day, which, fun fact, that's my birthday. So uh, Happy birthday, belated. You know. Thanks. Yeah, so it's been, you know, just... Uh, I mean that's that's an extraordinary amount of uh, of people who have who've gone and, and uh, acquired arms uh, through all this, and we've heard uh, through various sources, including those sources who who generally disagree with the sentiment that we have towards the right to keep and bear arms, that we have an individual right to keep and bear arms. Um, even they will uh, admit and concede that the majority of these new gun buyers are just that new gun owners. Um, these are people who haven't. Uh, gotten guns before um, and are just seeking it because they're they're concerned about uh, protecting themselves with all this uncertainty going on why would someone get a gun they you know they say oh well you can't shoot a virus so so therefore with a virus around why would some people want to be able to defend themselves so i've i've heard that argument a few times everybody says oh well you can't shoot the virus so why are you buying a gun uh well you don't really have to look further than our own backyard um if you look at Baltimore City, the police have said that they're only going to respond to the most serious of crimes. So, you know, wh what does that really mean? Um, and beyond that, you even have entire uh, stations uh, across the country that are saying, hey, you know, we, we really need this 
we need this police station all stay at home and for two weeks to make sure you know you don't have coronavirus because one or two uh, officers from that specific station had tested positive. I believe that actually happened uh, at one area of Baltimore. And beyond that, I've seen a really dis really disconcerting uh, trend. There's been a huge uptick in hate crimes against Asian Americans mm-hmm. because people are, you know, people say, oh, okay, a China virus, or, you know, they, they think, oh, well, you know, it was first detected in Asia. Um, and people are falsely conflating, you know, Asian Americans with, oh, the virus. And I mean, it's, it's depressing. We're all Americans. Uh, Absolutely. You know, we're, we're a melting pot, you know? <laughs> so this is really kind of a very depressing trend. So there is an article from another news source that has uh, talked about many of those concerns um, among the Asian community about uh, seeking means to defend themselves because they have been um, so negatively impacted through you know, bigotry and, and being ostracized uh, for something that they have nothing to do with. And it, it's, it's really uh, horrible and it's just simply uh, not condonable in any, uh, in any way. There's also the concern uh, you had just a- alluded to it a bit, you know, well, what happens if a police department is taken out because, you know, or a substantial chunk of it, because many of those first responders have contracted the virus? Um, you, you've said here in Baltimore, yes, it's very true. They, they had to shut down one of the districts for a few days, and they had something like 200 some officers that they had to take off the streets uh, before they could uh, return so that, you know, they, they, until they can get tests and make sure that they weren't sick. And, and of course, some of these um, officers and personnel have gotten sick. We've seen that in New York City. We've seen that here in Maryland. Um, I think in Chicago and Detroit, those larger police departments, they've had some of the same trends. Um, you know, uh, other first responders, EMTs, fi- uh, people who work fire crews. Um, those, those are all uh, very real concerns. If you can't necessarily rely the police to come to your aid in the time that they you know, would be normal because we aren't in a normal time, um, it, it's not unreasonable to purchase a firearm. Um, uh, Katie, what, you know, how is this? Uh, have you had any concerns, any similar concerns to, to what we've uh, talked about? Yeah. So, you know, luckily I live in a, in a fairly rural area, um, you know, so I, I'm kind of out of already kind of far away, you know, for someone to respond. But, you know, I've heard the same things that, you know, there's just, you know, they're not responding to, um, you know, to to calls that aren't urgent. Um, if someone breaks into your house, you know, they're doing um, telephone reporting. You know, they're not coming out and doing any of the things they'd normally do to, to investigate some of these, you know, what they consider minor crimes. And, you know, that's just really scary to a lot of people. Um, you know, we, my husband and I, you know, we, you know, we have firearms in our house, you know, which makes us feel a lot more comfortable with, with stuff like this going on. You know, there's shortages of, um, you know, we're still having a difficult time finding things like toilet paper, um, hand sanitizer, cleaners. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would not be surprised, you know, as this goes on even longer, that, you know, people are going to start robbing other people for these essential items that, you know, they've just not been able to get. Uh, with the unemployment, um, you know, website that, you know, a whole disaster of people, you know, it's been mm-hmm. a month or more and they still don't have funds. 
um, you're going to have a lot of people getting kind of really hard up for cash for things. And unfortunately, sometimes that drives people um, to do things that maybe they wouldn't ordinarily do um, and emboldens those who would. So, uh, you know, people that before felt, you know, fairly safe, um, you know, are are feeling, you know, that their police department is not going to protect them. Right. And uh, I did see uh, there have been recent reports, um, particularly as, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to focus or pick on Baltimore too much. It's just it's the greatest, um, you know, example of, of reporting as far as these sorts of numbers go. But it had been recently reported that crime numbers overall have dropped except for um, Baltimore's egregious homicide rate. But um, robberies and uh, auto thefts and things of that nature have come down a bit, but home invasions have spiked. Uh, now that the targets are all home, well, <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's the trouble. Um, so to me, that's the ultimate concern for wanting to, obviously, if you're seeking to defend your family in your home, um, well, that's exactly the kind of scenario that you plan for. And adding on to that, Danny, uh, even if, you know, say there is, God forbid, a home invasion, if you are able to contact the police uh, while there's potentially an armed intruder with, you know, a knife or a baseball bat, stolen gun, what have you. uh, We mentioned earlier there were about 200 officers that had to stay home for a few days. Mm -hmm. I mean, with a reduction in force, uh, who's to say what the response time would be like? Would that be eight minutes? Would it be 20 minutes? There's a lot a criminal could do uh, in that time to you and your loved ones. And I feel like a lot of people that's resonating with them and it's kind of motivating them to say, hey, you know, maybe I should look into this individual right self-defense that all these uh, all these gun nuts are talking about. And uh, <laughs> all, all of this gun nuts, is, that's that's exactly <laughs> right. Um, it will be so we're all gun nuts uh, for any of those of you who are new to gun ownership. There are some very simple things you should always remember. Always keep the gun pointed in a safe direction. Always keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. And always keep the gun unloaded until ready to use. Those rules will guide you through 99.9% of things in handling a firearm. You follow those rules and uh, you will be safe. It's when you start breaking those rules that you know, things, things could change for the worse, but so long as you follow those rules, you are going to be in good shape. So always remember those three big ones. So I think it's very, very true that a lot of Marylanders who've uh, never had the urge to go buy a gun before, especially if they wanted a handgun, uh, they go to the store and they say, where's your handgun qualification license? Yeah, I, I have no doubt that they're, they're probably looking at the poor, the poor gun dealer with three heads wondering what, you know, what's going on. Uh, and, the, and the same the same token, that's if that's supposing they've been able to find a shop who is uh, handling them more or less. Uh, most of the shops, as far as as far as I know, are operating in the state. But that does not mean that all the ranges and instructors are operating. I know a lot of private ranges are, sh- are shut down. Um, a lot of instructors are are not in a, a functional role. Even the uh, public range up in uh, Elk Neck, for example, um, is shut down. Uh, that's volunteer run. So I can understand why that would be closed. Um, you know, and it's a very real uh, threat. You know, no one wants to get sick and no one wants to get anyone else sick. So, um, yeah, there are some, going to be some realities that have to be uh, uh, handled and mitigated here when we're trying to mitigate everything else in regards to 
people getting guns. Yeah, so, you know, we know that you need HQL and we know, you know, some instructors that are maybe doing some some classes with social distancing. But, you know, as, as a person who, you know, just a lay person who wants to go and, and purchase a firearm, um, they don't have all the, you know, industry connections that, you know, someone like us may have. So, you know, they're told they need to go get this. And, you know, depending on which, which gun dealer they go to, which shop they go to, how busy that shop is, you know, that person, you know, there's been so many sales and, uh, you know, that they may not have the time to spend with that person that they normally would. So, you know, because person knows they now have to go get this HQL, well, where do they go? Um, you know, you call some of the big ranges that show up, you know, when you do a Google search and they just aren't teaching, um, you know, whereas us may personally know an instructor that's, you know, doing some very small classes that has access to a private space to be able to fire that one shot. You know, a lot of these people just don't have access to that. So, mm -hmm. you know, they're being denied that right. And then, you know, things like shotguns are just flying off the shelves. Um, you know, and then it's taking forever for, for shops to get restocked because, you know, of course, it's happening across the country. Yeah. And of course, you know, add to that, uh, the availability of ammunition has been tenuous. Um, it's as it's been as rare just about as toilet paper. But toilet paper does seem to be coming back. Nature is healing. Toilet paper is making its way back to our shelves <laughs> for us. So and, and I, I, I think if once the initial um, bump here uh, calms down a bit, um, hopefully the supply chain does pick back up where some of these things aren't quite as uh, the concern as they were just a few weeks ago. And I would add to that, um, once the global health pandemic is over, I would hope that a lot of the new gun owners would take this as an opportunity to go out, get some training, uh, really improve their safety and maybe improve their skills and, you know, really see if getting into the shooting sport is for them. Because, you know, it's a, it's a very vast uh it's a very vast field. Um, they could start competition shooting. They could just challenge themselves to the range every so often, keep their skills proficient. Uh, yeah. I, I do highly recommend anyone who uh, did recently pick up a firearm or is seeking, seeking one, uh, there is an absolute avalanche of, of knowledge at your disposal on YouTube. Um, do call your local range to see if you can get a class or get some training, see if they are operating, um, do seek out instruction. Yeah, and, and visit, you know, some websites of some of these, you know, local organizations in the state and, and the NRA. Um, I know right now the NRA has some online education. Um, it's fairly basic, but um, you, we know that's good information because unfortunately on the YouTube, uh, there is sometimes bad information. Um, you know, so, so search out, you know, some of these local groups and national groups that are reputable um, and, and reach out to them for um, instructors and uh, information. Yeah, the, the NRA is a good source. Um, certainly, if, you, if, you, if anyone seeks any of the information from any of the larger groups, um, you also have the National Sports Shooting Foundation. Um, of course, our, our, our favorite, uh, Maryland Shell Issue, does have some, some, some information on their website and uh, We've seen throughout all this, since everyone is um, going figuratively and hitting up their, their gun shops and they are seeking the, the means to protect themselves and their families, there does seem to be the attitude among many of the gun control groups of utter disdain for the situation, uh, disappointment 
that they seem to be not winning the culture battle in regards to trying to tell people that these things are something, you know, that guns are, are a, a stain of society and anachronism. I don't know about you guys, but I really do feel that there is the potential here that the attitudes towards gun ownership do change as a result of, of people uh, seeing the benefit of it. A lot of people don't think about uh, what civil rights they actually have until they need them or until they're mm. infringed upon. So you... I mean, take, for example, I believe there was a letter coming out of Montgomery County, uh, their executive office, urging Hogan, uh, our governor, to close down all the gun ranges because, you know, they were saying, oh, well, these these aren't these aren't important, even though the Department of Homeland Security themselves said the gun industry, firearms and shooting ranges are uh, critical businesses. Oh, right. That's that's right. There were that we did have that that match in the legislature where uh, a bunch of members of the House wrote wrote the administration saying that you need to close the ranges. And then a bunch of members in the minority party said, no, 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 keep them open. This is, you know, this, this is about civil rights. You got to leave this alone. But uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's like turned into a huge political battle, right? Right at the gate, because everyone saw blood in the water, I guess. Yeah, but civil rights shouldn't be a political battle. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, we, we wouldn't be okay with uh, requiring a voting qualification license. So why are we why are we allowing our legislator to write opinion pieces like this saying, hey, you know, this this civil right, it's less important. We don't need that civil right. But not every state has been as lucky. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of lawsuits already that have happened. Um, there was just a stay... Uh, I believe came out today, um, VCDL, Guns of America, mm -hmm. and Association of VA Gun Ranges versus um, Ralph Northam, the uh, governor of Virginia. They have a temporary injunction against closing some ranges, um, where in that state they were uh, forcing everything to close. Um, there's been, in California, there's been numerous lawsuits. Mm -hmm. All over. I believe New Jersey. Um, you know, as different states have taken a different stance on this during this time. Um, you know, and really these gun shops, you know, are, are trying to do a good job of limiting customers in the store at one time, uh, allowing, you know, some different things to happen to to keep their employees and customers safe, uh, while still, you know, allowing people to practice their Second Amendment right, um, you know, which includes purchasing a firearm. And, you know, some other states, um, you know, it's, it's really been interesting to watch this play out across the country. I mean, self-defense is unquestionably essential. Yes, there were some federal guidelines that were put out that more clearly state, you know, that the, um, you know, members of the, let's, let's say, just all-encompassing uh, firearms-related industry um, are considered essential because they're providing the means for not only the people to protect themselves, but they are also providing the means for law enforcement and other agencies who, who are relied upon for public safety. And the people have every right to uh, to protect themselves. This is a very much an essential function. Yeah. And we've got groups like every town, um, you know, you go to their website, they have a, a big petition right on their front page that, you know, gun dealers are not essential businesses. Uh, wah, wah. You know, the, uh, yeah, and a bunch of a bunch of these, you know, the the typical expected gun control groups, um, you know, are spending a ton of money to close gun shops. Yet, uh, you know, saying it's it's just unreasonable to allow these risks. And you know, we all know that it's because they don't want you know these these record number of gun sales. Um, but you know, yet they don't have a problem with Home Depot having you know massive lines. You know, it looks like. Memorial Day weekend, Saturday, every day at the local Home Depot. 
And, you know, they seem to think that that's fine. Yet, you know, five people in a, in a large store at one time is is somehow a problem. There has been there, there do seem to be some um, very cautiously starting to admit that their messaging isn't penetrating and that they're not going to get a lot of these facilities closed. Because if you have noticed, then this is something that we do support. Um, some of these organizations have put information on, say, firearm storage. No one's going to argue against uh, information that suggests that people do responsibly store their firearms. Of course, what might be responsible to them might not necessarily be considered responsible and reasonable uh, to some others. But that is the, for them to put out that type of messaging is to basically admit that their other messaging isn't necessarily penetrating people psyching that, you know, hearing from a gun control group that, oh, well, you know, these other risks and guns aren't essential isn't going to stop someone to, from, from going uh, to the local gun shop and seeking out a rifle or a shotgun to protect th themselves and their family with in their home. Well, also, I mean, when you have individuals, individual groups who are saying, hey, all of these federal agencies that have said that the firearms industry, all-encompassing, yeah. is essential, when you have these people saying, oh, the federal government's wrong, you know, they, they kind of come off saying, sounding a bit uh, conspiracy theorist. Oh, like, choose your own adventure, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, we're going to pick and choose what we like from the federal government. And it's like, eh. <laughs> There's a reason fire, the firearm industry is essential, and that is self-defense. I felt that this has been a really great conversation. Katie, you've been a wonderful guest. Uh, we hope to have That's you fun. on. Thank you. Yeah, we hope to have you on again. Everyone out there listening, continue to be safe, be healthy. If you are going to seek your first firearm for self-protection, do read, do learn some safety rules, uh, do learn how the, how the firearm operates. Um, and uh, do what's necessary to protect yourselves and your families. Catch us next time at the Good and Substantial Podcast.